when I really wanted to submerge myself in the U.S. market and how uh, the, the the market worked from an insurance perspective. Uh, in most cases, and also in my case, uh, when I went through that, includes going through a medical, uh, having to draw blood and 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 pee in a cup. And you're tuning in to the InsureBreak podcast. It's the podcast about the latest and greatest trends in insurance. I'm your host, Ash, and I invite you to join us as we interview experts and executives in insurance, covering innovative practices, technology advancements, and insight into the future of insurance. This podcast is sponsored by Zelros. Zelros is an AI software solution for insurance to hyper-personalize the customer buying experience with insurance recommendations across all channels, boosting client acquisitions, cross-sell and upsell. In this episode, we sit down with Niels Coker, IptiQ Chief Marketing Officer and CEO of Sales Solutions. IptiQ is transforming the experience of buying insurance by providing their clients with a revolutionary digital insurance engine and world-class underwriting capabilities. Listen in to this episode to learn about what's driving change in the insurance industry how the sales and distribution of insurance products should be changing to allow for a pleasant buying experience, and the similarities and differences in insurance processes between Europe and the United States. Make sure to stick around until the end to soak in the 20 plus years of knowledge that Niels has accumulated working in insurance across different continents. We are joined today by Niels Koker, CMO of IptiQ. Niels, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. I was looking forward to uh, to the podcast. You've had quite the journey in insurance across two major continents. Can you give us a little bit of your background before IptiQ? I'm uh, originally from Amsterdam, the Netherlands. I've been my whole career last 20 years in the insurance industries because I just so enjoy uh, working in insurance and solving some of the challenges that that industry is uh, is facing. I started in the Netherlands in Amsterdam for a for a company called Delta Lloyd, which is part of a, a big European insurance group called Aviva. Quite early on, focused on marketing, sales, and distribution. That's sort of been my niche, and also trying to bring organizations into the uh, 21st century from a digitalization and UX and experience perspective. So, so those are two themes that really sort of run through my career. After working uh, at Delta Lloyd, I joined a company called ABN Emro Insurance, which ABN Emro Bank is a big bank in, in Europe. They, they had a presence in the United States as well for a while, but very much focused on, on Europe. And I joined their joint venture um, to really help build their insurance practice. So ran that uh, for a while uh, from the commercial and distribution side as well. And then 10 years ago, my journey at, uh, at Swiss Re or IPTQ started when I was uh, recruited to join Swiss Re to help them build their insurance practice. 10 years ago, they made the decision to enter the insurance space. Um, that's, that's what IPTQ represents. And I joined them in London to help them build that business in Europe. And then five years ago, moved with my my wife and my two kids to the New York area to help build IPTQ here in the United States. Very cool. So you, I assume you know a little bit about insurance then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tw- tw- 20 years, some different countries, some different uh, insurance lines. So yeah, I've... I've seen some different things. What what are your responsibilities at IPTQ now? IPTQ is a modern digital insurance company. And and so what I mean with modern digital is that besides the fact that we develop products 
we believe that it's equally important to develop a, a modern digital technology platform to distribute these products through. So product is one part of the equation, but the distribution and the technologies through which you deploy that is, is in our mind, equally important. We have um, a business model where we sell those products, not direct to consumer, but through B2B partnerships. So we have a, a wide range of partners that we make our insurance products available to that they then distribute. And so in my role as chief marketing and sales officer, I'm responsible to find these partners and then to work very strategically hand in hand with those partners to grow their business and our distribution footprint. What, what do you feel like some of the biggest differences in how we engage with customers today versus the past, or maybe when you first started? It's definitely interesting to see the transformation that's happening in the insurance industry. A lot of people talk about this, this transformation, but if, if we're honest, the, the transformation is probably not as fast as, as many of us would like in the industry. Uh, if you compare the insurance industry to to other business lines and sectors, um, there's still a lot more work ahead of us on that journey of, of transformation. But there are definitely things that are happening and, and, and that we are trying to be part of that transformation. The obvious one is the, the move to more digital or actually omni-channel customer experiences where agents still plays a crucial role in the sale and distribution of many insurance products, but to allow more flexibility in that buying experience for consumers to do part of that journey on their own, get some assistance and maybe complete it themselves, or if they want to complete the journey with an agent, that sort of omni-channel flexibility, I think, is a really big part of the transformation that's happening. Another trend I would call out is related to more underwriting and instant decision. So consumers, I think, expect more uh, an instant answer from their insurance company when it comes to buying a product. And, and so building technology and data solutions around to complement traditional underwriting really allows for, for more instant uh, and automated decision-making. And then I think we see a, no a number of new channels on the horizon. So we have traditional distribution channels uh, that, that are still by far, you know, dominant in, in, in many, many markets such as Europe um, and, and, and the United States, uh, whether that's call centers or brokerage or um, uh, bank distribution. But we, we see more and more entrants into the market that want to try to leverage their their brand affinity and their customer basis to, to enter the insurance market, to make insurance products available to their customers. But we have to think of ways to do that seamlessly, where it's not just a handoff process to a different company, but where we more try to create a embedded insurance experience. And so I think those would be some of the the, the, the trends and, and, and transformations we see occurring in the industry, uh, which we try to be part of. Now, do you feel like technology, obviously technology, you know, drives some of that change, but what are some of the other drivers of change? Or maybe more specifically, if you feel like technology is the only driver for that change, what is it about technology that you feel like is driving the change, the differences? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that technology is necessarily the driver. I think that is an enabler. And actually, it's been a a hurdle in the past, 
probably for some of the transformation. The, the biggest driver for change is, is customer expectations and agent expectations. I think both of those two groups, which are critical clearly for us as a, as a B2B2C company, are expecting just more modern experiences that align with the experience they get when they buy non-insurance products. Uh, sometimes uh, it, it, it can be quite amazing uh, what the different hoops or hurdles is that consumers have to jump through in order to get a product that is really not top of mind. We, we need to do a much better job to make that as seamless as possible so that when they make the right decision to buy that insurance product, that that they can get that and access that product as easily as possible. So I think the expectations and the experience that consumers get in their day-to-day life when they shop around for even other complicated product like mortgage or other financial products is that where we as an industry in the insurance industry need to keep up with. And so I see that as a, as a big driver. And clearly, final point I would make is that the recent pandemic has been almost an accelerator for that because people were not able to leave their house or go through more traditional experiences where they have to maybe do go to do a medical, to get a medical or certain blood tests. And so insurance companies were forced to come up with more innovative ways. And so I think that's helped push the insurance industry a little bit further forward. Yeah. So like, I guess if I were to cl- you know close my eyes and visualize what a successful customer experience, you know, an engagement would look like, how would that look like to, in your, in your opinion? It comes down to, I think the ultimate flexibility for for customers that they can buy insurance when they want where they want and how they want and offering them those choices and those those more flexible approaches that's where we need to adjust and adapt to what those consumer needs are and so making insurance more accessible to people and then once they make the decision to, to go and, and, and buy that product, making that as seamless as possible at a fair price. And I need to add that because it's, it's easy to make insurance product very simple from a buying experience if you just rip out all the underwriting, but then raise the, 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 the prices by 2x, right? So that's, that's not a sophisticated way to solve the problem. That's going to bite you where either consumers will not buy it because the price is just too high or they will give up their insurance uh, quite quickly because they can, they realize they cannot afford it. Um, so going beyond that by thinking of clever ways to replace intrusive underwriting processes um, with keeping the rates attractive and then really modern user experiences, that's where I think our industry really is heading and where we need to continue to improve. You know, obviously you you led insurance uh, businesses in Europe and in America. Can you tell us a little bit about the differences maybe in, in the businesses in the different continents? There is a lot of differences, but there's also a lot of similarities. In terms of similarities, this transformation that we've been talking about is, is very much happening in, in Europe as well. Actually, in terms of Europe distribution landscape, the push to digital and self-serve is actually, I would say, a little bit ahead of the United States in many product lines. 
And at the same time, I think the desire to to close the what we call insurance gap or, or protection gap to really focus on that middle market segment that has typically been a bit a bit underserved, especially in the life and health uh, space that, that that we focus on, very very similar in Europe, right? So there's been a tendency in the past to focus on the more affluent, high net worth part of the market, driven by the dynamic of commission based on uh, case size. And so it's more attractive to spend your time as an agent on those higher cases that give you a bigger return. I think um, as we now see that there's such a demand in the middle market that where, where the need for these insurance products is, is even more important. So those are some of the similarities I would call out. In terms of differences, uh, uh, th- there are many. Um, I think I would start off by just maybe sharing my uh, one of my biggest surprises when I came to the, to the U.S., when I really wanted to submerge myself in the U.S. market and how uh, the, the the market worked from an insurance perspective, I decided to, you know, buy uh, life insurance myself and go through the typical experience that a consumer goes through, and you know, pretty soon realized that the majority of customers in the United States that buy life insurance still have to go through a a manual offline underwriting process. Uh, in most cases, and also in my case, uh, when I went through that, includes going through a medical, uh, having to draw blood and 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 pee in a cup, and 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 that experience in uh, in uh, it, it first when I arrived here was just mind blowing to me for for again for a policy size of very modest size right I wasn't uh, applying for a multi million dollar policy it was just an average policy size and and the amount of hoops you had to go through was just mind blowing to me so that definitely does not exist in in Europe um, for a regular. Uh, underwriting. Quite the the opposite is true, and this is another difference that is interesting to call out, is that underwriting in most cases is pretty simplified and, and streamlined, but it's also the products are very commoditized. So that means that a lot of people actually then end up with a very similar price point, and there's very little differentiation in price for consumer. So here in the United States, through that rigorous underwriting process, you get placed in one of sometimes 15 to 20 rate classes, a very customized, tailored rate for your health and and life situation. Whereas in Europe, you, you quite often just have one rate class for smokers and one rate class for non smokers. And even in many countries due to European regulation, you cannot even make a distinction between male and female rates. That was another a real eye opener when I came to the U.S. market. How tailored the the, the rates are, and, and in that competitive landscape of always finding the best rate for a customer, you understand why some companies have gone through such a uh, an effort to to add to that underwriting process to be able to give that best rate. There is no right or wrong here. It's just differences for me. The right answer probably lies somewhere in the middle, right? So you 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 want to avoid for people to to have to pee in a cup all the time when they when they uh, buy life insurance, and so bring down those hurdles and those hoops 
and, and make it as seamless as possible. At the same time, you want to reward people that are in certain lifestyles for a better rate. So some differentiation in, in, in rates and rate classes makes total sense to me. What, what do you feel like would be an alternative to that? So I assume that when you have to pee in a cup and get your blood drawn, is like they're kind of testing how healthy you are, right? Or like how much of a risk you are. Tech. So how do you feel like it should be like what? What's the alternative? Yeah, so so that, that, that's a great question, Ash. So 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 that happy medium, that means that you have to replace values such as blood or a urine sample with something that is still um, giving insurance companies information about somebody's health beyond just a few application questions or medical questions on an application. And so there are clearly a range of data sources available in the market that could give you a really good indication about somebody's health. Uh, There are medical records digitally available that clearly we ask permission from a consumer for if we can access those that prevent all that hassle of them having to go to a doctor's appointment or doing a medical, but still give us a ton of relevant information. What we try to do and what a lot of carriers are trying to do is sort of replace medical tests with data points in addition to what consumers are disclosing about their their own health. And if those two components uh, line up and, and are consistent with each other, then we have uh, enough information to make an instant decision. And, and, and so only when we don't have enough information or when there might be a conflict between those two data points that might trigger us to say, okay, we want to look a little bit further into this case to make sure that we come up with the, the right appropriate rate for this individual. That makes a lot of sense. Now, if you, obviously, since you've been in the insurance industry for so long you've kind of seen changes if we could fast forward five years from now where do you where do you see the industry being the transformation as we discussed uh, has really taken a little bit of a, a, a momentum as i mentioned before you know encouraged by the pandemic uh, a lot of these things were accelerated because we had to adjust to a new reality where people could not leave their house or were uncomfortable to in- welcome a doctor in their house or go to a doctor. And so we've seen a lot more innovation in this space happening. And so that's been really encouraging. And it's also made people more aware, actually, about the need for insurance products. So I think that that's been a positive. If we fast forward, um, I think this transformation to um, instant decision products at fair rates. Uh, that's going to continue to be a theme where we're going to get more sophisticated, better at um, at doing that. Um, we're going to learn a lot about how consumers want to interact with insurance companies. Um, we're we're going to learn more about that right balance between the omni-channel experience that they need uh, and want and where an agent might still be relevant, uh, which I think for a lot of life and health products in five years will be equal, but it will be more tailored to individual cohorts and and, and more customized to the experience that they are looking for. Um, And then finally, I truly believe that this new channel that we discussed of uh, non-traditional or or non-financial institutes that are coming in and that want to offer their member base or their customer base uh, a wider range of solutions, that that's going to 
pick up pace over the coming years. So we, we see some examples of companies entering the space that, that are not have an insurance background, but that, that have such a, a wealth of, of, of customers and such a, a wide variety of services and products that they offer that if we can help those companies bring embedded insurance experience to their to their members, I think that will will continue to see that pick up. Very good. And now I kind of want to also shift topics to, you know, the, the your thoughts on kind of diversity and inclusion in the insurance space. Obviously, there's a lot of industries are kind of struggling with diversity and inclusion. But what are your thoughts in specifically for the insurance space on diversity and inclusion? And maybe what can some of the leaders, executives, your peers, what can they be doing to to accelerate that? This is one of the things, uh, topics I'm really passionate about as well. Um, first of all, I'm really proud to work for a company like Swiss Re because I really believe they're at the forefront of um, pushing the industry forward on topics like diversity, equality, and inclusion. I think the industry is improving, but uh, we still have a, a very long way to go. You know, uh, one example I want to bring to the uh, to, to the conversation, which always brings it to life, is uh, an initiative that we recently launched uh, here at, at IPTQ and Swiss Re in America, is where we're specifically encouraging and, and hiring people uh, with neurodisabilities and, and really bringing them into the workplace. Uh, I think that's one of the groups that is also underrepresented um, uh, in, in many companies, especially also in the insurance industry. I, I personally have a, a son that is uh, on the autistic spectrum as well. And so I, I'm, a, I'm a big um, sponsor and, and supporter of this program that we've in, introduced here in, in the US within IPTQ as well. So. And the last question we always end off with is, um, you know, from a career perspective, you know, if you'd go back and talk to the Niels, just entering the insurance industry 20 years ago, what advice would you give to that younger Niels? So I definitely didn't expect sort of 20 years ago, probably to to be in a, uh, having a podcast here with you today in the United States. So I did have international dreams and ambitious visions but but I never expected that it would lead me to to many different countries and cities like London and New York. I think in terms of the discussion we had today about transformation and the pace I think in 20 years if you look back over that period clearly we haven't achieved as an industry anywhere near enough to 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 what we should have. And so I've definitely been been in roles where I've been at the forefront of, of that transformation. And sometimes you get quite disencouraged by, by some of the pushback or the, 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 the hesitation that, that you see. And it could be through, you know, IT legacy systems. It could be through channel conflicts. It could be just because companies didn't don't feel the urgency to change because their model is working well enough for them to be successful. And so... I would probably tell my younger self, so you know, don't give up. Remain ambitious, also in that transformation. Keep fighting the fight that is that, that should be had, um, and and continue to push because it's only through that kind of push, both from outside um, challengers, but also from within the industry, that that will make the progress that we need to make. This podcast is sponsored by Zelros. Zelros is an AI software solution for insurance to hyper-personalize the customer buying experience with insurance recommendations across all channels, boosting client acquisitions, cross-sell and upsell. Thank you for tuning in to the InsureBreak podcast. 
Join us next month as we interview another insurance executive to gain insight on innovative practices, technology advancements, and what the future of the industry looks like. See you next month.